Hi, my name is Shu Xianluo. I'm a postdoctoral research fellow in foreign policy at Brookings Institution. I'm delighted to be here today to talk about my new article published by Asian Security entitled The Rising Powers Audiences and Cost Trade-Offs Explaining China's Athletion and Deathlation in Maritime Disputes. The goal of my article is to provide an analytical framework that can help explain how China decides whether to athlete or deathlate incidents at sea arising from its maritime disputes, such as those in South China Sea. What are the factors that can shape China's actions when an incident happens at sea in the contested area? Um, in my article, I argue that Chinese actions are shaped by several factors, like whether the, the top Chinese leadership has a strong consensus that prioritizes containing the incident and maintaining a healthy relationship with the rivaling claimant, like to what extent the Chinese bureaucratic, business, and intellectual elites converge against a quick de-escalation, like how other regional stakeholders respond to the incident, and some other things. I applied this framework to compare two major incidents in the South China Sea. One is the 2012 uh, Scarborough Shoal incident when China and, and the Philippines were involved in a protracted standoff and ended up with China opting for escalation by imposing economic sanctions against the Philippines and eventually seizing the, the land feature. The other incident is the clash between China and Vietnam in the parasols in 2014 when China deployed an oil rig platform to the area. In this incident, China refrained from escalation, although the clash involved a high level of violence both at sea and in Vietnam's anti-China riots that resulted in multiple deaths of Chinese, lead, uh, Chinese nationals. So how did I figure out how China made its decision of escalation or de-escalation in the two incidents? I surveyed a large volume of Chinese language open sources, including leaders and senior official speeches and memoirs, government documents such as white, paper and foreign white papers and foreign ministry statements, analyses produced by think tanks affiliated with the Chinese central government, publications produced by line agencies and provincial authorities, and state and commercial media reports. I supplemented and triangulated these materials with non-Chinese language sources from other climate countries and with semi-structured interviews I conducted in China and the United States with former and current government officials, um, policy analysts, and scholars. I leveraged all these materials to trace the process of Chinese decision-making and test how well my framework can explain China's decisions. Then what did I find? First, I found that when dealing with Vietnam, the Chinese leadership has a stronger, clearer, and more consistent consensus to prioritize crisis containment, and elite convergence against de-escalation is smaller than it would be the case when dealing with the Philippines. This difference led to Beijing's decision to de-escalate de the oil rig clash but escalate the Scarborough Shoal standoff. Moreover, border trade and development initiatives in China's hinterland gave southwestern provinces, especially Guangxi, a major, a major stake in advocating for stable relations with Vietnam. Guangxi's interest seems to have effectively balanced the hardline push from, uh, from Hainan province in China's handling of its maritime disputes with Vietnam. Hainan is the province charged to administer China's claimed land feature and maritime space in South China Sea and has traditionally advocated for an assertive Chinese posture. Second, my study suggests that smaller countries can have substantial leverage over their big neighbor, which still, care, still worries about undermining its image of non-belligerency and galvanizing a counterbalancing coalition on its immediate, immediate periphery. This finding also underscores the importance, importance of moving beyond a singular focus on great power competition and empowering smaller and middle players when formulating America's South China Sea policy. 
Although America's policy provides the strategic context that China can never ignore in its calculation and decision making, much of Beijing's cost-benefit calculation has been conditioned by the way how its smaller neighbors uh, respond in times of crisis. So simply treating maritime space as one aspect in the U.S.-China strategic competition can be misleading and, le- and, and leaning heavily on um, major power groupings such as Quad um, in, the, in this dispute can backfire by essentially marginalizing the smaller countries in ASEAN's position as central uh, institutional platform for regional processes. So going forward, third-party intervention in South China Sea crisis should consist of two legs. A, um, a swift, concerted pushback by ASEAN countries may create incentives for Beijing to de-athlete by engendering a sense of isolation. Meanwhile, the United States and other major power can uh, other major powers can throw their weight behind ASEAN to bolster the credibility of counterbalancing.